It's simple if you just know how to do it. Well, I hope you can explain it, because I'm feeling kind of stupid. Oh, Mike, don't worry. If I got one dollar, gonna give my guy a dime, because the dollar's all his, and it isn't even mine. If I got a Benjamin, gonna give my guy ten. He's a friend to the end, so depend on him when he's in. Trust me. Wait. Do what I do. You can trust me. Hang on. Sit down. Finding 10% of something is as easy as moving a decimal point. Say you've got $139. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. If you take the decimal point and move it one space to the left, you've got 13.9 or $13.90. That's all there is to it. Okay, I think I get it. Yeah, maybe I could take a try. Well, sure you can. All right. If I got 1,000, gonna move the decimal point to the spot where you, and then multiply it by X, and then put the, do the thing. Um, I, I got nothing. No, no. That's okay, never mind, you'll be fine if you know he's got enough, enough to take care of my needs, cause it feeds me every day. That's why he say you can trust me. Try integers. Into what? Guys, yeah, into Mike the and test. Mike. Mike and Mike, everybody. I still don't know what they do all day, but I know you like to see them once in a while, so we, we let them come out. Um, welcome, everybody, to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go, made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. We do consider you to be a part of our congregation, so I'm glad you could dial in today. And normally I am deer hunting on this great weekend, but the speaking schedule uh, didn't work that way for me, and I started to whine about it a couple nights ago to my wife. We were actually making our way up to bed, and I was complaining about this, and this is what she said to me, direct quote. She said, you need to put on your big boy pants and suck it up. <laughs> Seriously, that's what she said. I don't know why you clap. I don't know why people clap for that. <laughs> I'm going to begin today with an admission, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm cheap. I mean, really cheap. When it boils down to it, I like my stuff. I don't like to share. A kinder word would be that I'm frugal or that I'm conservative, but the truth is I'm kind of cheap. So last summer, when my daughter and son-in-law were loading up the U-Haul to move to Columbia, Missouri, my wife said, the kids need a grill, so let's give them ours. I said, let them get their own grill. And she said, well, we need a new one anyway. Let's just give them ours. I said, well, we wouldn't need a new one if we kept our old one. The wheels are missing. Parts are rusted off it, but it works fine. Then I was like, you know, what would Jesus do if he had a grill? Jesus probably never ever had a grill. If Jesus didn't have a grill, why do the kids need a grill? I just kind of got lost in that whole thing in my head. But finally, I just gave in. And there went my perfectly good grill onto their moving truck. Then it was our bed next in our guest room. And Laurie said, they need a bed for their guest room, so I'm going to give them the bed in our guest room. I said, that's ridiculous. We're not giving them our bed. 
She said, we need a new one in there anyway. I said, what's wrong with the old one? She said, it's 30 years old. It sags. I said, but nobody ever sleeps in it. She said, but you know, my parents are coming in three weeks. We need a new bed in there. I said, I'm not getting a new bed just for your parents. They're 85. They'll never know the difference. <laughs> Day later, onto the truck on our old bed, and off we went to the mattress store to buy a new one, and Laurie's parents never came. <laughs> I was so unhappy about that. Same thing happened with our backup lawnmower, my favorite rocking chair that they just snuck onto the truck without me seeing it or knowing about it. When we unloaded the rocker from the, uh, down there in Missouri, I said, hey, that's my favorite rocker. Lori said, you never sit in it. I said, I might sit in it if you brought it up from the basement where you know, it belongs upstairs, but she doesn't like it upstairs. Let's try, you know, decorate it, I don't know. So now whenever we visit the kids, you know what I do? I grill burgers on my perfectly good grill. I sleep in my perfectly good bed. My wife mows their grass with my perfectly good mower, and we rock the baby in my perfectly good rocker that I'd like to have back. <laughs> I'm not good at letting others have my stuff. I'm a tightwad, selfish by nature. It's not natural for me to be generous with what I have, especially, especially my money. And if I'm honest, I have a fair amount of stress around this issue of money, and maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you are just totally stressed over the issue of money. Maybe you don't think you earn enough or have enough in savings. Maybe it's your debt. Maybe some of you have school loans that stresses you. Maybe the appliances are breaking down at your house or apartment, or you're behind in rent. Maybe the money runs out before the month does, and it just, it just has you stressed. So we're starting this series today called The Test because God has a lot to say about our money and how we can manage it so we don't have to be so stressed and so selfish about it all the time. And I want to start with a woman in the Bible who was completely broke and there was no apparent solution to her situation. It's found in 2 Kings. It's a true story. It says, one day a widow came to Elijah. Elijah was a prophet and she cried out to him, my husband is dead and now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Elijah said, tell me what you have in the house. She said, nothing. Nothing at all except a little flask of oil. Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go with your sons and pour oil from your flask into the jars, setting the jars aside as they are filled. I love this next phrase. So she did as she was told. She did as she was told. Her sons brought many jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every jar was filled to the absolute brim. When she told Elijah what had happened, he said, Now sell the oil and pay your debts, and there will be enough money left over to support you and your son. So here's a woman whose husband has died. She doesn't have a job. Debts are piling up. A creditor's come to take her two sons and sell them into slavery. That's all really she has of worth, she thinks. I mean, when you're under financial stress, isn't it true there's kind of this domino effect where everything begins to start crumbling and falling apart? You know, money is tight, debts increase, creditors start calling, your house and kids are at risk. The stress level can just rise and rise and rise. And so this woman, what she does is she goes to her pastor, Elisha. And when he asks her what she has in her house, she says, really, nothing at all except this little flask of oil. And I, I love this question that Elisha asks. He says, what do you have? 
What do you still have in your house? Because sometimes I think we can come to the end of our ropes and we think there's nothing else we can do. And sometimes we need somebody to ask us, what do you still have? What do you still have? I know it's, I know it's tight. I know there's a problem. But what might you still have? Look around. Is there anything you can still be thankful for? Is there anything that maybe God can use to restore your life? And I bring this up because so often I will talk to people who are in financial difficulty and they think that their options are completely gone. But when I talk to them, I I begin to discover, you know, you're of sound mind. You have a strong body. You can read and write. Most of the world can't do that. You have access to the finest schools and best jobs in the world. You have a great church, great friends, and you have a God who loves you and who just wants to know, what do you still have? Sometimes we're so blinded by the problem, we can't see what we still have and what God wants to use. And she says, all I've got is this, this, this little bit of oil. And I'm telling you, all God needs is a little bit. And Elijah tells her to go get a bunch of jars, and then he pours, and then pour the oil into them. And I love this next verse. It says, she did as she was told. No questions asked. She just went ahead and did what Elijah told her to do, even though it doesn't make any sense to do this. She did as she was told. Understand that what Elijah asked her to do is completely irrational. It's illogical, but what God wants to know is, will she do it anyway? Will she trust God anyway? Quick pause here. When it comes to our finances and giving especially, it'll often seem illogical and irrational what God is asking you to do. And what God sometimes wants to know is just this. But will you trust me anyway? Will you trust me anyway, even though it seems illogical and irrational? In fact, the stress, friends, that you and I feel sometimes around our finances isn't really a money issue. I believe, really, it's a trust issue. Who or what am I going to trust? Without any hesitation, she trusts God. She did as she was told. And God took that little bit of oil and he multiplied it so that every jar was filled, filled to the brim. Now, that's her story. Let's talk about our story. And typically, when we talk about finances, we focus on things like income and debt and budgets, and those are very, very important things to look at. But I want to go deeper than that today with you, if I could. And I know that whenever money is talked about in church, people get nervous. And some of you even get mad because, you know, it's like, oh, here we go again. And I get it. I totally get it. It's a sensitive topic. But you need to know that Jesus Christ talked more about money in the Bible than he did heaven and hell combined. Jesus thought that money was so important to talk about. He talked about it more than almost anything in Scripture. And so from time to time, we need to bring this up. And really, when it, when it comes to our financial stress, can I, can I tell you it's really not a money issue. It's really a trust issue. Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust God with my finances? And it might seem irrational, and, but I think the biggest mistake people make financially is this. We hold on to our little bit of flask of oil because that's all we think we have. We're going to hang on to it for dear life. We hang on to our flask of oil, and then we miss. We totally miss God's multiplied blessing 
in our life. And as we look at this story, and there's dozens like it in the Bible, we know that God understands our financial stress, and he has a very simple solution if we will just trust him. And the word that God uses to deal with our financial tension is the word tithe. The word tithe, it simply means tenth or 10%. And I'm telling you, it will seem illogical to many of you. It'll seem irrational. But God says that tithing is the solution to our financial stress. So I want to spend a little time talking about what God means about tithing with all of you today. And let me start with four misconceptions around tithing. And the first one is this. Tithing is not about money primarily. It's about do I trust God? A lot of people think it's about money. It's really about do I trust God? Second misconception, it's not about giving. I hear people say sometimes, you know, I'm just going to give a little bit here and there. And, and, but you need to know that tithing is not just giving a little bit here and there. Tithing is not giving. It's different. We sometimes use those words interchangeably, but they're different. Third thing is this. Tithing is not shopping. Sometimes people will say, you know, I'm going to purchase some, some things from a Christian organization, or I'm going to buy my coffee, books, and CDs in the church bookstore, and I'm going to consider that as my donation, my 10% giving toward the church. But you need to know something. Tithing is not shopping. Never has been, never will be. Finally, tithing is not charity. Charity is when you give to your favorite organization, your favorite hospital, your favorite school, your favorite social deal. But friends, tithing is not charity. It's completely different. What is biblical tithing? It's simply this. It's returning to God what absolutely belongs to God in the first place. It's returning to God what belongs to him in the first place. We need to understand that everything we have, every single thing that you and I have, comes from God. Your life, breath, your ability to work and earn and think, create. Everything you have, your abilities, comes from God, was given to you by God and belongs to God. Everything you and I have comes from him and therefore belongs to him. In fact, Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and some of the things in it. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? The earth the entire earth, the entire universe is the Lord's, and every single thing in it belongs to him. It's all his. We tend to think it's ours. We tend to think, you know, I earned it, I worked for it, it's my house, my car, my smartphone, but really it's God's stuff. If you died this week, somebody else would have your stuff for a while. Nothing you have is permanent. You're just using it for a while while you're here. Your house, cars, your property, your collections, guns, jewelry, everything you own, the moment you die, it all stays. The Bible says, naked I was born and naked I will leave this earth. Everything stays. I don't own a single thing. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We just get to use it for a while. So the tithe is bringing back to God what already belongs to him. Now, let me get a little bit specific with you on this. Tithing, a tenth, of the produce of the land. Now, we're talking about an agri agricultural society back then, so, so we're using crops and those kind of things. But a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. God says, what I want you to do is take one-tenth of all that you produce, one-tenth of all that you earn, and just bring it back to me. 
And sometimes when we hear this, we get a little fuzzy in our thinking, a little goofy, and we say, you know, I'm not sure I understand what that means. God, will you explain it to me again? What's the math? How does this work? One-tenth, really one-tenth of everything I earn belongs to you? So let me explain it to you this way, and I'm borrowing from a good friend of mine, David Ashcraft, Pastor David Ashcraft is the pastor of Lancaster Bible Church out in Pennsylvania. Great church, great man of God, good friend of mine. He says, let's, let's, let's say it this way. Let's say that God gives you $10, 10 $1 bills, and God says, I'm just going to give this to you. All I'm asking is that you honor me with one of them. Got 10 bills, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All I'm asking, God says, is that you honor me, that you worship me, that you put me first in your life with one of those. And you can do whatever you want with the other 90%. You can buy a new grill, a new rocking chair, do whatever you want. All I'm asking is that you honor me with the first 10, tenth. But then, you know, something happens to us when, when we get a little bit more and God blesses us with a little more money. It somehow gets more complicated. And really, it isn't complicated. Let's say that God gives you $100, 10, $10 bills, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. God says, I'm just going to give this to you. It's all mine. It belongs to me, but I'm going to give, you, give this to you. All I'm asking is that you return to me one-tenth. Just bring this back. Honor me with what I've given you. And that's really what tithing is. It's simple math. But what's, what's interesting, as the numbers go up, it seems to get harder and harder for people to comprehend. And so some people think, you know, God, I think I understand this, but I'm not sure I understand it, so could you explain it to me just one more time? And so here's $1,000, 10 $100 bills, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and God says, it all belongs to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. All I'm asking is that you return to me as a form of worship and honor, keeping me first in your life. And again, that's what tithing is. And as the numbers go up, though, it seems to get more complicated for people. But friends, it's not complicated. God says, it's all mine. I'm giving you all this. I'm just asking you to return one to me. Now, part of the reason God asks us to tithe is Jesus said, where your money is, where your money is, that's where your heart is. Where your money is, where your money goes, that's where your heart will go. And God wants your heart. God wants to be first in your heart. So last week, I took my wife on a date to Fleet Farm. It was awesome. And I, I spent $100, $100 on three different items, well, actually three boxes of shotgun shells, some deer scent, and hunting pants. And um, there's nothing wrong with that, everything right with that, but... I thought, you know, if all my money goes toward hunting stuff and absolutely nothing goes toward God, what does that say about my heart? If everything I spend is all on myself and I spend or give nothing toward God, where's my heart? In fact, I actually looked at my cart and what was in my cart and I thought, what, is, what does this say about me? Dear scent, you know, what, what is this? What does it say about my heart? 
But the amazing, the, the truly amazing thing is, just like the lady in this story, when I make God first in my life by getting back to him the first tenth, you know what God does? He takes the other 90 and he fills my cart with hunting stuff. Kind of. I mean, that's kind of what the Bible says. It says, look, honor the Lord with your keyword wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then, then your lives will be filled to overflowing. He says, if you honor me with your money, with the first 10% that already belongs to me, then I will bless your life and I will do things, God says, with the other 90% that you can't even imagine. So can you begin to see why this is really a trust issue and not a money issue? And it's interesting because this verse says, honor the Lord with your what? With your wealth, with your money. And I bring this up because I've heard some people say, you know, I'm going to tithe my time. I'm going to tithe my talents. I'm going to volunteer a lot. That'll be my tithe. But God's very specific about this. God says, that's great. I appreciate you donating your time and talents. But what I'm talking about here is the thing that's most close to your heart. God says, what I'm talking about here is the very thing that most of us have the most difficult time letting go and trusting me. Honestly, friends, I think that trusting God with our money is one of the truest tests of genuine faith. Show me a person who ties, and I'll show you a person who really trusts God. One day, God spoke to a bunch of people who were acting like they were his followers. They said all the right things, even went to church a lot, sang the songs, but God really laid into them because he said their faith really wasn't real. And I want you to see God's exact words here in Malachi chapter 3. God says to these people that were not being fair to him, God said, you have scorned my laws and failed to obey them. So he said, return to me, come back to me, and I will return to you. And these people said, well, how can we return to you when we have never gone away from you? But God said, no, you have gone away. And he uses a very strong word. He says, you have cheated me. Another translation of the Bible says, you've robbed me. And the people are a little bit clueless, and they say, well, God, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? When did we ever rob you? And God says, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings Due to me, and notice he makes a distinction between tithes and offerings. God says, therefore, you're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me, says the Lord. Again, apparently, these people were acting religious, but really didn't trust and obey God because they weren't bringing the tithes and offerings. And so God's pretty worked up about this. It's about as angry as you'll ever see God get. And God says, look, you've been robbing me. You talk a good game, but what you're really doing is you're taking what's mine and you're pretending it's yours. You've taken all these bills that I've given you and you have failed to honor me. You're pretending it all belongs to you. And so God says they're under a curse. It means that their life isn't going to go well for them. I just want to pause here and just ask a rhetorical question. Don't raise any hands, but anybody feel like you're under some kind of financial curse that no matter what you do, you can't seem to get ahead? Maybe, and I, I don't know this, but maybe 
Maybe it's not a money issue. Maybe it's a tithing issue. God knows. God sees our lives. Look what God says. He says, look, don't cheat me, but bring all the tithes, not just a part of it, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, says the Lord Almighty. In case you have forgotten who's talking here, he says it's the Lord Almighty, it's the God of the universe, the God of the creator, God, the one who made you, knows you. Bring it all back. And then this amazing promise, if you do this, God says, if you do this, if you honor me with the first part of your wealth, I will, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room for it in your life. That if you tithe, God says, I'm going to bless your life I'm going to bless your family and your work and finances beyond anything you could have ever imagined. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. We all have problems. It doesn't mean God's going to make you rich. That's not the goal here. It simply means that God is going to bless you in ways that never would happen unless you put him first. God will take care of you. And then look what God says. He says, look, test me. It's the only place in the Bible where this, where this appears. God says, I dare you to test me. Try me on this. Let me prove to you. Let me show you that I always give back more than you can give. But if you test me and trust me, I will do more with your 90% than you could ever do with your 100%. I can say this with a clear conscience that my wife and I have done this our entire lives, whether we've had a lot or whether we've had a little. It's always been the first check we write. And I'm telling you, God has so blessed our family. God has so blessed our work and our children and finances, we would be afraid not to tithe. We would be afraid of removing God's protective blessing on our life. We would be afraid not to honor God first. Now, some of you are saying, Bob, you don't understand. If I do this, I'm going to have to make some massive value changes in my life. And I would say, exactly, you will. Your life will change, but I think for the better, because when you put God first in your finances, your values will change, your heart will change, and what drives and consumes you will change, because for some of us, isn't this true, friends? For some of us, something other than God is first in your life. Something other than God is first in your life, and I'm telling you, it is the reason life isn't going well, perhaps, for you. It's the reason the stress level is high in your life. It's the reason the kids are off the rails and other things are falling apart. God says, look, why don't you test me on this? Why don't you put me first and let me prove to you that I will take care of you? When my wife and I were in grad school, and even before that with two kids in diapers, we were really, really poor. I mean, poor, poor, but we tithed. All the time, every time. Sometimes it was just $10 a week because $100 is all we earned that week, but we did it. And I'm telling you, God took care of us. He provided for us. He, God blessed us with jobs and opportunities that we couldn't ever even imagine would come our way. I mean, I look at my life today, and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, I'm bald. I'm little. I'm getting older. I, I, I'm afraid a lot. 
I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm not that gifted. I know that some of you think, but I'm not. I, I just like, if you could see my life, I'm just a normal person. And God has just blessed the sorrow. I, I can't, I said, I'm like, God, what, why? And honestly, I think it goes back from just a little boy. God, I'm going to honor you for my paper route, first 10%. So I'm all the way through my life. So let me just say, if you're in grade school or middle school or high school, maybe you're starting college or you're single or you're just getting married and you don't have a lot, I'm telling you, there's no better time than right now to start tithing, to start earlier in your life and put God first and he will honor you all the way through. He will bless you and lead you in ways that would, would never have happened had you not put him first. God knows. I want to show you a video of a gal that we talked to this week who started tithing nine, nine years ago changed her life. I want you to hear her story, and then I'll come back and wrap it up, and we'll be done. Watch this. My name is Kim. I grew up in Hugo, Minnesota. As a kid, we went to church every Sunday, and I remember seeing these little white envelopes that would get dropped into an offering plate as it passed by. Nobody ever talked about giving, and so I never really understood the importance that giving could have or the impact it could have on your life. I have wonderful parents, and it's because of them I've always had a relationship with God. But growing up, money was tight, and there was um, some struggle and some stress in our house. And occasionally, when the phone would ring, my parents would have one of us kids answer the phone, thinking it was a collector, and that we would have to tell them that they weren't home. So growing up in that environment and watching what my parents went through, I think that really is, I mean, it created a monster in me. I was so driven to not be like that. And so I think early on it was set in me that I was gonna do something different. I was gonna make something of myself. And I was going to attend college and I was gonna get a good job. And I did just that. Nobody in my family at that point had gotten a college degree, but I was driven to get that. Um, that security that my parents never felt. So I graduated from college and my first job was in sales and I was quite successful. I traveled all over the United States. I was constantly in a hotel and I was on planes more than I was at my home. I mean, my friends used to joke that for them to send me a piece of mail I would have to go to the airport, but I was doing well and I had made it. I mean, it was everything that I thought I was going after. During all of those years, I always made it a point, no matter where I lived, no matter where I was, to stay connected to church, to find a church. God was still in my life. God was still important to my life. But there was still something missing, still something that wasn't right with me. And it was hard for me to understand, why don't I feel secure? I was stuck, and I had no idea why. I remember one day I was walking down the streets of New York and all I had to do was cross this street and get in the cab and go home. And I sat there and I was paralyzed. And I looked at that cab and it was almost like it represented this chase that I'm on, this, why am I doing this? Why am I so tired? And I couldn't move and I just broke down and I started crying and I'm like, what am I doing? And it was that same overwhelming stress that I experienced when I didn't have money. 
and I was thinking about it all the time and I was worried about not paying bills. But then when I got successful and made money, I still worried and stressed the same amount over money. And it was like this weird, what am I chasing? What am I after? What is it I'm looking for? Shortly after that incident in New York, I had moved back to Minnesota and I had attended Eagle Brook Church and that message that weekend, I will never forget, it was a message on the biblical principle of the tithe. That was the first time I had ever heard that message be delivered. Up until that point, I was giving God uh, what I had after I had taken care of my stuff first, never my first 10%. It was almost like I got hit in the gut with a sledgehammer and I, I don't know why, but in that moment it was, this is what I was missing. And so I left the service that night and I prayed about it and I remember thinking, I have a choice here. And all I could hear is, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Why did I think me just searching more and continuing to look for the security was gonna work? God was really speaking to me. He wanted my heart. He wanted to be my security. When I decided to tithe and give that to God first, everything I had been chasing up to that point almost lifted and left. My relationship with God went from a almost muffled sounding cell phone to a very clear connection. And it even felt like he was so much closer to me. And the imagery that comes to my mind, um, and I see this uh, all the time in the nine years since I've done this is, you know, I'm this little girl um, and I see God, he's right there and he's kneeling and he, extends his arms and I run to him. And it's almost like at that point he said, this is what I've been wanting for you all these years. And it's, it was almost like him saying, you know, you're home and, you know, thank you for trusting me. And I see that all the time run through my head. And I, it's the most amazing thing. I know that this message today is a collision. It's a conflict. It's, it messes with our thinking because the world is completely opposite. You would never hear this outside of this context. It comes down to, though, what are we going to trust? Who are we going to trust? with our lives. And I, I, I will be praying for all of us as we wrestle this week with this question. Um, I love that Kim says this was, the, this was the peace that completed her life, where she finally felt secure and finally felt close to God. And I, I can tell you from talking with her that she believes that tithing has changed her life for good in every single area. She's now married to a wonderful husband, has a stepdaughter, two adopted children, and she will tell you that tithing has changed her life, brought her closer to God. She found that God can do far more with 90% than we could ever do 
with our 100%. But remember, friends, this has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with trusting God. And I believe this so strongly that I skipped deer hunting <laughs> to tell you about it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's killing me. It, it's absolutely killing me. Deer hunting's like Christmas to me. Better than, no, I shouldn't say that in church. But it is. Um, but I, I, just, I, just needed to, I just needed to be here. And I want to leave you with a challenge. There's very little risk for you. It could change your life, though. We're, we're calling this the 90-day challenge. What I'm going to ask you to do is, is simply what God asks us to do, to trust him and give back to him the first 10% of all we earn for the next 90 days. If at the end of this 90 days you say, you know what, Bob, my, wife, my life is worse off since I tried this. God didn't show up. You know what we're going to do? We'll give you every penny back. If you took this challenge and you said, you know what, forget it. We'll give it back to you. Because know my heart on this. This isn't for me. It's not even for our church. We're, we're actually in a good financial position in our church. This is really for you. Friends, I want so badly for every single one of you to get in on God's amazing bounty and blessing and protection in your life. I want that for you. It's going to be simple how this works. Go to our website, 90-day challenge, click on that. And I know some of you, as soon as we say this, some of you are sitting there saying, I knew it, I knew it. You just want my money. Tell you what, if you're thinking that, give your money to another church. Honestly, give it to another church. We might have a hard time getting it back from that church, but <laughs> honestly, go ahead. I encourage you to do that. It's not what we want from you. Honestly, it isn't what we want from you. It's what we want for you. None of us are going to get raises around here. We're going to use it to expand our mission through, through the Twin Cities and the world. But if for some reason you think we're going to misuse it, then honestly, give it to another church. And if you look around, you say, you know, there isn't another church. I, there's no church I can give this to. You know what I think? I think that's really about your heart because there is no perfect church. But the church, friends, is the hope of the world. The church is God's instrument to redeem this sad, sorry world. This is the hope. God wants you to be a part of it. He invites us to. Some of you will talk to a financial planner this week, and they're going to say, you're going to do what? You're going to do what? Because they think it's about money. It's not about money. It's about who I'm going to trust. God says, try me on this. Try me. Finally, if you decide not to tithe, you are making a decision to deal with all the financial stresses and setbacks all on your own without God's help. You're really saying, God, I kind of trust you, but not that much. I kind of trust you, but not with my money. Oh, man. I don't think you want to say that to God. So that's it. That's the test. I hope you take God up on it. As you leave today, we're going to give you a little card, a reminder with a verse on it. The buttons are out there as well. And uh, I'll be praying for you. Pray for me as well. Yeah. Let's stand all six campuses and be on our way. Be on our way out the door. Watch the Vikings play. All right. Who are they playing today? The Rams, right? They need our prayers. Let's pray. God, thanks for... Thanks for laughter. Thank you for your goodness to all of us. And I know this is going to be a real collision deal in our hearts and lives. Giving is hard.
It's hard for me. God, I pray that we will dive into this and become so automatic, become so automatic that we just live every day trusting you, walking with you, letting you lead us and bless us. We love you. We need you. Lead us now through this week and be with us as we make this decision in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless everybody.